0: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy.
1: Fall Guy. That's what the poster said.
0: See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because
1: I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. I am your host Hayden Grove joined as always by our Cavaliers beat reporter, Mr. Chris Fedor. But today we have a very special guest on the podcast. Um, But the NBA Draft is now literally one week away. One week from tonight, the NBA Draft is going to be uh, happening. It is currently uh, July 22nd and the NBA Draft taking place on July 29th. So today we'd like to welcome in Mr. Chad Ford, who spent 17 years with ESPN covering the NBA Draft and now has his own website, called nbabigboard.com go check it out Chad we really appreciate the time today and can't wait to talk a little draft with you
2: hey excited to be here it's my favorite time of the year it's a crazy time of the year but still my favorite time of
1: the year
0: yeah we know that you probably have a bunch of people asking for your time so that's why we're very appreciative you know with a week away I mean you know for you to take time with us and, and to chat about a little bit about the draft
2: uh, well, you know, look, Cleveland's in a really exciting place. It's really interesting to see what they're going to do, and uh, and they they have a lot of different options right now. And so, I if, if you're a Cavs fan, I, I'd say this week is a really big week for you.
0: Yes, certainly. And uh, I I want to introduce Chris. Chris, I uh, you were you, you had a talking point you wanted to discuss with Chad first, kind of where you were
1: looking to go with uh, to start this conversation off. Yeah, Chad, do you think it is Cade Cunningham and everybody else?
2: Um, well, I think there's two ways to answer that question from a talent perspective. No, I think there's Cade Cunningham and several other really great prospects that I don't see as big a gap. I think as some people have implied, I do think Cade is very, very, very likely to be the number one pick in this draft to go to Detroit. I think he's number one on virtually every NBA team's board right now. And, and so I I think, I think it's safe to say he's the number one prospect in the draft to say he's far and away the best prospect in the draft that that's where I would, you know, tamp down expectations a little bit because Evan Mobley is really talented. Uh, Jalen Suggs is really talented. Jalen Green is really talented. Uh, And I'm actually a big Scotty Barnes guy as well. And so this is a really top heavy draft. And I, I don't think Cade's the only, only potential star in it.
1: So do you, you have a feel go
2: ahead.
1: go ahead. No, you're good. Go ahead. go ahead. Um, do you have a feel for what it is that that has people um separating Cade um from these other guys?
2: Well, I I think there's two things that go on. Uh the media narrative is the media loves mm-hmm. that narrative. They they love the guy uh in the draft <laughs> and And Cade was anointed in high school to be that guy in the draft. And then he had a really excellent year at Oklahoma State. And there wasn't anything that you saw uh, from watching him play that really disqualified from that. From, From the NBA's perspective, it's a little bit different. It's about the evolution of the game and having big wings who can handle the basketball and shoot the basketball and play multiple positions. That's the most important position right now in the league. It's evolved over time. When I started doing this 20 years ago, everybody was trying to get a center with the number one pick in the draft. You know, now it's almost disqualifying to you to be a center uh, in the draft. It's, and it's just because of the way the league's evolved. And so when you're looking through this draft, which guy fits that mold? that's Cade Cunningham. And those guys are so difficult to find uh, that I think that that's what rises him above the crop. And the other thing I'll say about Cade, which isn't the sexiest thing to say, but it's, it's, it's a reality for NBA GMs. He's a really safe pick Cavs fans mm-hmm. have some PTSD uh, with the number one pick in the draft before. And, and, and it's, it's hard to imagine a scenario where Cade Cunningham fails unless yeah. he's, unless he gets injured. Uh, he his his floor is like maybe like Chris Middleton. That's like his mm. floor, um, right? And then you know maybe he goes up from there. And so for risk averse general managers, which most of them are, you want a number one pick that isn't going to get you fired. And Cade <laughs> Cunningham, it's hard to imagine a scenario where Cade Cunningham gets you fired. And and frankly, I can see that scenario with Evan Mobley or Jalen Green or some of the other guys. But it's really hard to piece that together for for Cade.
0: You mentioned the other couple of guys, Jalen Green, Evan Mobley, obviously Jalen Suggs in there as well. Um, just before we get into what the Cavs are going to do, where do you have those guys ranked behind Cade and your on your board?
2: Yeah, Evan Mobley, I think to me is the closest to Cade. Uh, you know, you're talking about a seven-footer who can handle the basketball, can shoot the basketball, can pass the basketball, can protect the rim, moves like a guard. And you know, the only real things that you can say about Evan Mobley, and, and I think they're legitimate things that the question are he lacks strength. He mm-hmm. he his his frame it looks a lot like Chris Bosch's. Uh, you know, two, it there were questions in high school about his motor. It seemed like he he kind of got to a point where he started to get bored with basketball and then the progression just wasn't the same as some of the other players in his class, like Jalen Greed and Cade Cunningham, mm-hmm. who surpassed him. When you watched him at usc he seemed very engaged and mm-hmm. uh and it wasn't an issue but i think you know one thing you say about Cade cunningham Jalen suggs Jalen green those are all really really heavily driven individuals they're they're all killers uh when they get on the court and maybe evan is a little bit less than that but at seven feet he's a unicorn and i really think he can play some five i think four is probably mm-hmm. his best position in the nba but i even think that he has some ball skills to play, play some three in a supersized lineup, you know, depending on what you throw out there for teams.
1: So and it Mobley's- seems like Houston, it seems like Houston has has everybody guessing at this point in time. Yeah. Do you have a feel for which direction they're gonna go at two?
2: Well, th- this is the hard part. Right, because Houston is in trade mode right now. They're in asset mm. acquisition mode right now. And so throwing out Jalen Green one day and then Evan Mobley <laughs> the other the next day and what have you is a way of of telling teams you're gonna have to deal with us. You can't just set set pad and hope that the guy that you want, you know, falls falls to us. If you really know you want that guy, you got to deal with us. And and that's just the mode that the Rockets are in. Frankly, I think it's the mode that the Pistons are in, uh, which is why you continue to sometimes hear rumblings like Jalen Green is going to be in Cleveland on Friday, uh, you know, and and maybe it's going to be Jalen Green. I I just think that's part of the game. Uh, I I do think that the other thing is there is a split in front offices with Jalen Green and Evan Mobley. Evan Mobley analytics, size, sort of unicorn, Jalen Green is a very sexy prospect, though, because he's going to probably be the best scorer in this draft. It's not a surprise at all if he ends up averaging 25 points a night uh, in the league. He does it with flair. You can market around Jalen Green. Jalen Green's the guy that's going to sell sneakers. There's so many things that if you're if you're thinking about the whole process of what a number one pick means and what it can do to your franchise and can it sell season tickets and whatever, it's much funner to watch Jalen Green play than it is to watch Evan Mobley clips. I'm not saying Jalen Green's a better basketball player, but when you're just watching them, you know, I don't, I think there's a difference there. And so if your owner and owners play a role in this is thinking, you know, Hey, how do we jumpstart season ticket sales? How do we get people excited about watching our team again? Look what happened with Charlotte with LaMelo ball, Uh, you know, maybe Jalen Green's the guy.
0: With the Cavs obviously picking behind Houston I mean that's do you see a scenario in which Cleveland would really want to jump up to get Houston's pick and to you know take I would assume either Green or Mobley that they really really loved in that situation?
2: Well uh, one I think Houston might end up jumping up to one they're trying I don't know that they're going to have the assets to do it but they want Cade I think Cleveland's target would also be Cade I think Cade Cunningham sits atop their board as well and if if they moved, it would probably be able to move up for Cade, not for Evan Mobley or, or Jalen Green. Uh, I, I think that they probably take whichever of those two, you know, players lands in their lap. For me, Evan Mobley is a better fit uh with the Cavs right now. I, I know that there's talk of you know Colin Sexton being traded and what have you, but you're essentially trading a 25 point a night score for uh, another potential younger maybe a little bit more athletic 25 point a night scorer. And the one thing I'll say about Jalen green is that he's going to have to develop more to his game. He's a scorer right now, but that's all he is. He's not a passer. He's not a primary ball handler. He's not a defender. Um, He's, he's got a slight frame. He's a great athlete yet, but you know, there's nothing, nothing there on the strength side. And so right now he brings one really important and really sexy skill to the league and that he can really score the basketball, but All the rest of his game, I'm not saying it won't develop because he seems like he's a really driven kid, but it's just not there yet. You just don't see evidence of it in the G League.
1: Chad, on your website, nbabigboard.com, right now you have um, tiers, tiers of all these different guys. And I thought it was interesting that um, you have Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, and uh, Jalen Green in one tier. And then Jalen Suggs seems to be kind of that that outside guy at this point in time. Why do you think that is?
2: Well, I think that it's it's a it's it's all three of those first guys have something that's incredibly unique about them. That one thing that just could make them a home run player. Jalen Suggs may be the most well-rounded of the prospects in this draft. He gets it done on the defensive end. He gets it done on the offensive end. I had a, a scout. I, I really liked what he said. He says he's a quarterback on offense and a defensive back on defense. And, you know, that referring to his, you know, former uh, football playing days, uh, but he's, if he's a two, he's a little bit undersized. If he's a point guard, he's not particularly, he's not like a Jason kid uh, you know, passer, uh, you know, he's fundamentally sound. Uh, the thing that I think everybody loves about Jalen Suggs is uh, we've talked about driven and Jalen greens, driven and Cade Cunningham's driven, but Jalen Suggs takes it to another level of, of the chip that he plays on his shoulder, the toughness that he plays. And, you know, there's just a lot of co- coaches and GMs that just like that about him. Mm-hmm. Even though he's not as great an athlete as Jalen Green, he's not a pure scorer. The jump shot is is iffy. It's not terrible, but it's it's not great yet. And so he, he brings a lot of stuff to the table, but there's not one thing that you point to other than that sort of aggressiveness and motor that you check off and say, okay, it's it's elite. And so that's why I think he's just slightly below Jalen Green. When I did the tiers, Cade was unanimous. Uh, Evan Mobley was near unanimous in tier one, which is like a potential superstar. Green barely made the cut between tier one and tier two. And by the way, tier two, we're talking about a potential all-star. So that's a very, they're both really good tiers, right? And, and Suggs barely missed it. Uh, and so it was so there's some teams that see Suggs as a tier one, some that see him as a tier two, some that see green as a tier two, not a tier one because he's he's not multi-dimensional. If, if a team took Suggs ahead of green, in my opinion, that's a justifiable mm. uh, choice, as is a guy that we haven't talked about, which is Scotty Barnes, who mm. I just personally feel for the Cavs might actually be the best fit for what. Cleveland needs it, this floor is just a little bit scarier with him, which is why, as a general manager, you're you're sticking your neck out a little bit, taking him ahead of Jalen Green or or um, or or, or Jalen Suggs. I, I wouldn't take Mobley. I'd take Mobley ahead of Scotty Barnes, but I I think Cleveland, if Mobley's off the board, should seriously consider Barnes.
0: We've we, on our podcast we've talked about you know, Kobe Altman's spot, he's kind of, this is it for him. This is kind of his big moment. He needs to make that um, that decision that finally puts this team in the right direction or else it's going to be, you know, a situation in which he's probably going to, you know, probably going to be fired and finding another job. But so for Kobe, I mean, you said, you know, Scotty Barnes, do you think that he'll go with a safer pick just because of where they're at and where he's at?
2: It would be a gutsy thing to take yeah. Scotty Barnes 3 mm-hmm. There's, there'll be justification for it he's a 6-8 point guard with a 7-foot 3 wingspan he's an excellent athlete he can defend all five positions on the floor uh his it's just his jump shot you know uh, it's it's sketchy it's not ben simmons sketchy but it's sketchy enough that you know his ceiling is lower if he doesn't become a great jump shooter uh you know he could still be a really good player but he won't be an elite player but the other crazy thing about him is if he's a 36 to 38% three-point shooter, he has a shot to be the best player in this draft. Um, because now you're talking about a Ben Simmons-esque big point guard with a better attitude. He, You know, he's got one of these all-time winning like Magic Johnson type personalities and and a guy that, that could really, in some ways like Giannis, just take over a game because he can literally do everything. Uh, Now, look, Giannis does it anyway without the shooting, which is incredible. But Scotty Barnes isn't quite Giannis's size, you know, not quite that athlete, not quite that determination and drive of Giannis. So I'm not comparing the two, but I'm just saying Barnes is a freaky outlier in like what he does at his size.
1: Why do you think there isn't more buzz about him, Chad, or am I maybe missing the buzz around him?
2: Comes off the bench at Florida State mm. uh, on kind of a, a more senior-laden team. Leonard Hamilton does this. Uh, Patrick Williams went number four in the draft last year. Didn't start for Florida State um, either. Leonard Hamilton makes his rookies freshmen, earn it on the court. So he doesn't start. Uh, and, you know, he they, they had the tallest team in the nation last year. And so Scotty Barnes played at point guard for them uh, coming off the bench and he had this weird stat line, like he was only averaging like four rebounds a game. How does the eight guy not average more? Well, he was at the point and they have the biggest front line in college basketball. They don't need him to rebound. Uh, he didn't take a lot of shots when he was on the court because again, you have a very veteran for a college basketball team team that that's not what they asked him to do. And so you have to dig deeper into the film. You have to dig deeper into high school to see what he can do. But man, there are moments... When Scotty Barnes just takes over games on both ends of the floor, there's moments when he's guarding the team center. There's moments when he's guarding point guards. And I I think if you piece it all together and say, had he gone to a a, a program that would have featured him right away, like Kentucky or whatever, I think the buzz would be there.
1: How do you, um, when you stack him up against Jonathan Kamingo, what do you feel like is the separator between those two guys?
2: Kamingo to me is just a wild card. Mm-hmm. If anybody tells you they know what he's going to be, <laughs> I, I've watched every minute that he played this year in the G League, every single minute that he was on the court. And I came away with, he's a lottery pick. He's got to be because of his size and athleticism. And, and you see moments of, of skill on both ends, but he's a long ways away. Uh, he's he's further behind, and it's hard to completely judge that because he was in the G League, which was a higher level of competition than what he would have faced in in college basketball, frankly. And so the learning curve was steep for him. I actually think it was good for him, frankly, um, that that he was put in there. But it's sort of like a kid that reclassifies and goes up a year, which he also did. He's one of the youngest players in the draft, and all of a sudden you're playing with older guys uh, every day, and and suddenly you don't look quite as good, but you're also maybe a little bit out of place. And so it can be deceiving. I just don't know with him that, to be honest with you. And I I think all five of those guys are probably safer picks because we know a little bit more, but I think it would be a mistake for Kaminga to fall much outside, you know, five, like he shouldn't fall past six or seven just based off the sheer upside of what he, he has. And especially he seems like such a great fit in Oklahoma city because they have the time and patience to develop him and just give him space to work it out on the court. And I think that's what he needs is just lots of reps out on the court.
0: You mentioned, um, you said Evan Mobley might be the best fit outside of maybe Scotty Barnes uh, for the Cavaliers. Um, Is that just because of the guards and the fact that, you know, you have Colin, you have Darius and just adding a guy like that would kind of allow them to still play their games, but also allow um, Evan Mobley to do his thing.
2: Yeah, I mean you look, you've got if you want to say that the Cavs are building a young core, you have Garland, you have sex you have a coro, you have Jared Allen, who is to me a five, you yep. know, slotting slotting Evan Mobley in as your as your young core four. I know there's other fours on this roster, but I'm not sure any of them are the long piece building blocks, mm-hmm. you know, for the Cavs. You you have a really nice, well-rounded roster. Evan Mobley absolutely can play with Jared Allen. Like I said, I think it's sometimes he can swing a little bit. I think he's going to be able to stretch the floor for you, which is um, which is nice. Which you know is a question mark for Okoro mm-hmm. right now. Uh, I I just think it's a nice young core. Now if if they could have gotten Cade, I would have preferred Cade yeah. for Cleveland. Uh, absolutely, I, I actually think he was a really good fit in Cleveland. Yeah. And you know, Scotty Barnes is sort of Cade like in some of the stuff that he does, which is sort of why I I see him there. But Evan Mobley's a good fit. Uh, for, for Cleveland as well. Jalen Green will be too. If you trade Colin Sexton, then obviously there's a spot there for him. But I just don't know how much it moves the needle, frankly, given Sexton's warts and, you know, maybe why the Cavs would think about not trying to re-sign him or, or trading him. I, I like Green better than Sexton, but I'm not sure as a as a player, especially in the first couple of years, what he adds to on the court actually is going to change much about what what happens in the win-loss column for, for Cleveland.
1: Chad, with Jalen Green, given his size, how much do you think an NBA team will get by playing him at the three versus the two?
2: That is one of the big debates right now. He did not get measured at the combine. And mm. so you have to go back to his old days when he was at tournaments, you know, with Nike and whatever, where he measured about six, three, three and a half uh, in, uh, in, in shoes, which... He, he looks, he looks at G league, like he's small. Now that was several years ago. Mm-hmm. And I just, I actually just was talking to his representation yesterday, trying to see whether there was a way to get accurate measurements, right. I'm not just going to take an agent's word for it because there's an incentive to say, you know, whatever it is, but, you know, can we get a team, uh, you know, to measure him or, or what have you, because I, I think they believe he's six, six in shoes. Mm-hmm. And, and the difference between six, three and six, six is a, uh, is significant at two. And especially if you're thinking at all about sort of switching him out on the wing and he's not particularly long either. You know, some of these prospects make up for a lack of height with just, you know, crazy wingspans, mm-hmm. but his wingspans coming in, you know, somewhere at like six, seven, six, seven point five. Mm-hmm. you know, I've sort of seen it out there. We just don't have accurate measurements on him. He's also slight, slightly built. He's not, mm-hmm. you know, particularly strong or stocky as well. And so if if Jalen Green was like a legitimate six six and had like an Isaac Okoro body, then you know then yeah. you're you're making a more credible argument for him him as the number one pick in the draft. But that that is that is probably the thing that hurts his stock. You know, one of the things that hurts it the most.
1: You mentioned uh, Mobley being able to space the floor as his career goes on. How comfortable are you right now when it comes to evaluating his three point shot and whether that's going to come?
2: He didn't take a lot at USC, uh, but the form looks good. He's very comfortable. One of the things that's freaky about Mobley is he's he's comfortable handling the ball out mm-hmm. on the perimeter. One of the things that would surprise mm-hmm. you in your USC film is he'd get a guy at the top of the key, and then he would start taking them off the bounce, uh, which you know you, we don't see a lot of seven-footers doing and doing it well. The other thing about Mobley is that he was really an exceptional passer for a big man. Uh, he he made really good reads. he can see the floor. he has a real high level understanding of basketball and and so he fits this model that NBA teams love with these multiple versatile mm-hmm. skill sets uh, in, in a big where you can kind of switch him around depending on what what sort of lineup that you want to put. you know that, that variability i think is really important in a prospect. I'm, I'm not sure. I, I, I just think, again, it's the media narrative. Like, why aren't we more excited about Evan Mobley? Like, I think both of them are going to have really good careers if they stay healthy. Because, you know, you're talking, I had one scout tell me the other night, like, Mobley is Chris Bosh on offense and Anthony Davis on defense. And I'm like, well, that's a, that's an NBA superstar. Yeah. I mean, that's that's crazy. Um, I think that. And, uh, but, you know, these the media things matter. The narratives matter. And, and look, I'm not down on Cade. I, I think Cade's going to be really, really good. I just think we got a really good draft yeah. and, and, you know, five of these guys, I think they're, you know, four of them, I think for sure are going to hit. I think Barnes may or may not hit, but if he hits, he hits big. I think Kaminga is the same thing. He may or may, may not hit, but if he hits, he hits big. He has some Kawhi Leonard in him, uh, you know, as far as a you know, a prospect goes. And then after that, the draft sort of falls off a cliff a bit.
0: Chad, yeah, I've kind of, you know, I think that I've thought a lot about Jalen Suggs. Just you you mentioned that he does a lot of things really well. He's kind of just doesn't do that one thing really well. Would you consider him an option for the Cavs at three? I mean, just given his skill set, given that um, his kind of leadership abilities, given all that kind of stuff.
2: He's a culture guy. Uh, mm-hmm. And so if, you know, if culture is a big thing for your coach or your, your general manager right now, I, I could see someone saying, we're going to take Suggs. And this is as, as much a cultural fit as it is as anything else. You know, one of the things that about Jalen Suggs, if you watched Gonzaga in the national championship game against Baylor, which, you know, they they were really kind of run off the court uh, after having an undefeated season, you could see the defeat in virtually every player's eyes on Gonzaga, except Jalen Suggs. Jalen Suggs was still out there playing like, no, we still got a chance. We're, we're still in this. He hates to lose. And so if part of it is turning a culture, which sometimes starts to get embedded in teams that have been stuck in the lottery for a while, the complacency with where you're at and you really want to start to move that needle, Suggs is a is a guy who I can absolutely see as a culture fit. But don't expect him to be a 25-point-a-night game scorer. I, I don't think that's what he is at the next level. I think he's much more going to be a 16, 17-point six seven rebounds, six, seven assists, couple steals a night. You know, that's the sort of really well-rounded stat line that you're gonna get. But he's not, he's not gonna be the guy that drops 40 on you. And and if if Cat fans go that direction, they're gonna have to suffer through a few nights of Jalen Green dropping 40, 45 on a <laughs> team and people asking like, why did you, why did you pass on him? Because again, fans often miss, miss that there's more to the box score than just points being scored.
1: So if you look at the top four guys, Chad, Cade, the two Jalen's, and Evan Mobley, for the sake of this conversation, and I know you like Scotty Barnes as well, but of those four, like which guy do you feel like is going to take the longest to have an impact in the NBA? Is it Mobley?
2: It's 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 going to be a combination of of Mobley and Green, and 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 for different reasons. You know, Mobley needs to get stronger. Yeah. Uh, and I think teams are going to have to figure out how to use him. And then he's going to have to adapt to that. Sometimes the bad thing about having so many tools is that, you know, it's sometimes hard to figure out where you fit and what your thing is mm-hmm. um, right away. Right. And I think w- depending on where he's drafted, you know, figuring that out for him in a clear role for him might take a little bit of time before you figure out what he does best in the NBA right now for, for green, the issue will just be on the defensive end. Uh, you know, offensively, I think he'll play right away, but he's going to have some frustrated coaches uh, at times with him because it, the defense wasn't good uh, in, in the G League and, and the level of competition is going uh, to go up significantly now. And, and, you know, this is often why rookies sometimes have a hard time staying on the floor is because they're OK offensively, but they're j- they just they just get destroyed defensively and you know Darius Garland you know i don't know what you think about him as a defender but you know you start to have a you know a, a not great defensive backcourt i know Okoro can make up for some of that that's mm-hmm. that's what he does bring to the table but you know it, it it's it's going to be a little bit more problematic for him and um and and i think any team that drafts him just knows that and i will say this about jalen green he also is a guy who hates to lose he he mm-hmm. loves to win uh, everything I heard from the G League was that he worked really hard on his game, that he showed up early to things, that he was constantly on the court working on things. And so my guess is he's never been held accountable on the defensive end um, like he needs to be. But when a coach really holds him accountable, my guess is he'll show up and and decide to be accountable because he has the physical tools. I mean, he obviously has the, the quickness and athleticism uh, to defend. He's a smart player. Uh, I, I think it's just the will.
1: There's a lot of chatter chat about um, some of these teams, Orlando, uh, maybe the Toronto Raptors, trying to move up yeah. in the draft to number three, where the Cavs are. Um, obviously, the Cavs probably didn't think they were going to be picking at number three. They were looking at guys between five and ten, but here they are at number three. Orlando's got five and eight. Golden State's got seven and fourteen. Is is there any um, is is there any reason for the Cavs to want to move back from number three?
2: I don't know what it would be because I think they drop a tier. Mm -hmm. Uh, And especially because if they're at, you know, five or six, you know, Suggs probably isn't there uh, as well, unless they're in love with Scotty Barnes and they know that they could get the fifth pick and the eighth pick for him. And that's their guy. Like that, that could be a a scenario five and eight to move up to three is a pretty steep price to move up, Mm -hmm. you know, two spots in the draft. I'm not sure Orlando uh, would, would do that. Uh, you know, the team that I have been told, uh, again, this, I'm not like reporting a rumor, but this is sort of more in the agent, in the agent world of they've been watching is, you know, Sam Presti's very, very active every year. This was a massive disappointment to Oklahoma City that that they fell the six. I mean, you know, some of this was Poku having the game of his career on the last night of the season and and actually hurting Oklahoma City in the in the draft odds. Um, because, because of it, you know that was a uh, you know that was some of what what happened in in Oklahoma City. And, and Sam Pressy has so many assets that go on for years, at what point does he just decide,
1: mm-hmm. hey,
2: I'm gonna bundle some of these assets together and we're gonna go get a star instead of just being in collection mode, which he is right now. And it seems to me this might be the year. Like if anybody can make a Godfather offer, to Cleveland right now, it's Oklahoma City. There's incentive for them to finally add another piece to play with Shea that 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 really has a star caliber, and you know if it's six, and then you know the the <laughs> the assets are endless in Oklahoma yeah, City. I mean they're really endless, like you know multiple first round picks, future first round picks or whatever. That's the scenario where I could see Cleveland just saying, "Look, you know part of this is about having assets and." Mm-hmm. And you know, we'll select Kaminga, uh, at you know at six, and and pick up you know a couple of other valuable assets. That's probably the team that if there's a move up the three, it'll be with Oklahoma City. Chad, I'm not I saying they're coming, doing it. I haven't heard they're talking. I'm not saying that. I'm yeah. just saying it makes sense.
0: Right. Absolutely. We're coming up at the end of your time with us, but we appreciate it very much. I want to before you go. I want to put you on the spot. You're Kobe Altman. It's draft night. What are you doing? At three. We and we don't know what's gonna happen in front, but assuming that Katie goes one, and you know what do you think happens with Houston? Then where do the Cavaliers go?
2: Uh if I'm Kobe Altman, I take uh whoever is left between Evan Mobley and Jalen Green. If it's Chad Ford and I don't have to worry about getting fired, I take Scotty <laughs> Barnes. But because okay. I'm Kobe and I have to worry about this sort of stuff, I mean this is the benefit on my end. I don't I don't think people are gonna fire me for putting Scotty Barnes at three. Uh, but but Kobe could really get fired. Uh, you know, for that. So I I think he plays it safe and I, and I understand that. And it's certainly, I, I I think both of those picks are worthy of a number three pick in the draft.
1: Is there a wrong choice at three for the Cavs?
2: No, I don't think so. Uh, Maybe Jonathan Kaminga. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go up. I wouldn't put Kaminga at three, but if they did Barnes green or Evan Mobley or Suggs, even, at three, I, I I wouldn't criticize any of those choices right now. This is a really good draft at the top. All of those guys are likely to have, you know, NBA all-star-esque careers uh, and, you know, maybe more. So, yeah, I don't think you can go wrong. This is not the 2013 draft, Kansas, Kansas fans, <laughs> where you had to get to the 15th pick in the draft to to get something right.
0: Well, Chad, we really appreciate your time, as we said, and uh, we want to let you plug a little bit. So nbabigboard.com, and then you have a YouTube channel coming out
2: soon. Yeah, Friday, we're launching YouTube, Chad Ford's NBA Big Board. Uh, also have a podcast out. You can get that wherever you get podcasts. Uh, Mark Stein is going to be my first guest uh, on on uh, on Friday, former colleague at ESPN, New York Times, also just launched his own Substack, stack. So uh, it's great. I've got John Hollinger coming up in the next couple of days, some really cool stuff. Uh, coming on as well but check it all out at nbabigboard.com.
0: awesome well thank you again for joining us and enjoy the week i know it's a busy one for you but it's a fun one as well
2: yeah thanks for having me on the show thanks chad. Right.
0: be sure to be sure to read cleveland.com slash cavaliers and check out future episodes of the wine and gold talk podcast once again thanks chad for, for joining us take care everybody
1: hey i'd like to take a minute to tell you about how to sign up for Cavs text and analysis from me chris fedor here's how it works I'll text you a few times a day with the inside scoop and analysis on the team. What I'm hearing, I give it to you before things happen. Like Kevin Love being reprimanded for his outburst. Like the Cavs losing the pre-lottery coin flip to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Like Lindsey Gottlieb's decision to leave. You get the juicy nuggets even before they're up on cleveland.com. You can also text me directly, day, night, whenever, but I mean, let's not get too carried away. Still, it's a great way to cut through the clutter of social media. Try a 14-day free trial. You can cancel anytime. All it takes is one text, but you won't want to cancel. So many subscribers have joined and stayed over the last year. They love it and interact with me on a daily basis. You can too. $3.99 a month, which is less than 14 cents a day. It's a perfect time to join. It's the run-up to the NBA draft free agency around the corner it's a critical offseason for the Cavs go to cleveland.com Cavs click the blue banner at the top of the page or text me 216 208